Hi guys, welcome to Art Talk with April, season three. I'm April Harris of Inked April, located in Birmingham, Alabama. We have some wonderfully inspiring artists on this season. Let's get started. Hi everyone, welcome to Art Talk with April. Today we have Natalie Henderson, who is a pen and ink artist here in Alabama. And where are you located at, Natalie? I'm I'm located in Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. And how long how did you get started in doing in doing art and being creative? I started when I was really young as a kid. Um, I've always liked just doodling on stuff. Yeah. And um when I slowly started getting into high school, I started taking art classes and my parents pushed me more and more to do it. So much so, so that I decided to go to school for it. And I just recently graduated with my bachelor's of fine arts in drawing from University of Montevallo. Awesome. I went to Montevallo for like a month. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I love Montevallo. Like it's just in my heart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my mom graduated from there, actually. So that's really, oh, really? fun. I it's love so Montevallo. It's, it, it's such a, a unique art like center over there like you would never expect it being so far out in the middle of nowhere and you're like oh my gosh (laughs) it's just such a and I think too like I think artists and art creative people are kind of interested in that area just because of I mean it's so it's so beautiful Mm -hmm. like the 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 university itself and the buildings and you know the whole area over there then you've got is it or park yeah, yeah, the carved trees. Yeah, yes, the carved trees and stuff. Are you happening to do the show at the park there? Um, I'm not doing the, I, I can't remember what it's called. I'm not doing the Or Park Festival yet, um, but I think I am going to do the, um, what's it called? My mind's going blank. Bur- uh, not Birmingham Art Walk, uh, Montevallo Art Walk. Oh. I did that one last year, so, so I think I'm going to do that one again. Oh, I didn't even know they had an art walk. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, so you you got into doing this when you were really little, like a lot of us do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we love crayons. I don't know what it is though. <laughs> Especially the ones that have like multiple colors on each side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, um, another younger artist who was like, she liked the twisty, the twisty crayon things I was like oh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I forgot about those <laughs> but so do you prefer the synod or the not exactly <laughs> I preferred the synod yeah. <laughs> I like to smell something pretty while I'm drawing something I don't know what I'm drawing <laughs> it, it looks like blueberries and it smells like blueberries exactly. <laughs> now I'm just trying to think of what if like professional art supplies was like that just had a scent to it oh, oh my gosh that would be so fun <laughs> maybe I'd want to work even harder on stuff yeah. <laughs> oh that's so funny so um you mainly do pen and ink art right yes how did you get into doing pen and ink specifically is it something that you just really liked drawing with pen or or how did you choose that medium um, so when I when I first started at Montevallo, I am 
I didn't really know where I was going in my work. We were given a lot of just projects to really focus on our technique and how to learn the process of working on art. And one of the first real pieces I ever did was of a drawing of a bus from the movie Into the Wild. Mm-hmm. Um, from the, from what I can remember of this project, we had to pick a movie scene and uh, draw it in like a certain format mm-hmm. uh, in micron pens. Yeah. And I really fell in love with the contrast of black and white. And I, we also did a few charcoal pieces the first year I was there as well. I started to really like how I could manipulate um, shadow and light and really focus on my subject matter and bring out the areas I want to bring out in a high contrast. And I slowly started moving into really liking micron pens after that. Um, I think I think it was either the summer after my freshman year or after my sophomore year, I uh, for the first time picked up like trying to do my own original piece outside of school. And I drew this like big tree with eyes. I don't know where it is right now. I, I couldn't figure <laughs> what the thing is. It's probably somewhere in a portfolio. <laughs> that was like the first big piece I did with micron pens. And I really started to like how micron pens work. Mm. And for a while, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to concentrate in. I jumped back and back and forth with multiple different ty- types of mediums. I did photography. I thought about doing like sculptural, sculptural welding work, um, <laughs> painting. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I was like, there's something I've always really enjoyed and it's drawing. I really like how control, how much control I can have in a pen and pencil. Yeah. So I started taking um, the drawing concentration classes and I just fell in love with it. <laughs> like it just, yeah. it was history from there. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm the same way. I kind of did the same thing when, especially when I was in my twenties, I was like, I love drawing with pen, like in high school, you know, like how you doodle on your, all your stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And then just really liked doing that. But, you know, they tell you not to draw with ballpoint pen. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, like fast or whatever. And then of course, very famous artists are doing it now. Nobody cares. Oh, yeah. some of my favorite artists are just using ball pen, point pen. Mm-hmm. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, why didn't I know about this? When I, <laughs> when I was like, you know, really enjoying ballpoint pen, but um, oh. got into the microns too. So do you have like a whole like drawer or like a whole thing of just like microns? <laughs> yes, I, <laughs> I actually, like I was organizing my art stuff last night because I wanted to talk about, um, figure out what I yeah. wanted to talk about in this. And I was like looking at this bag I had, I was like, I don't want to know how much I've spent on micron pens. Like, <laughs> and I have, I have at least 200. I might have more, oh, nice. work, but yeah. I went through them last night and like organized them. So I have, I have quite a bit. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Shapes and sizes, um, different colors. Like I have, I have a little bit. Of, I feel like I'm like promoting Micron without them even knowing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? We should get paid for this micron. Hello. And I was like, you know what? I spent a lot of money on your pins. I was like, can I, can I be on your be on your website? <laughs> I think I actually like when I was working on my uh my BFA show, um, I did everything in micron pins. And I got halfway through finishing like three pieces, and these pieces were giant. And I sat down and I was like holding, I have like two handfuls of like micron pens I'm holding. It's just like this in front of my pieces. And I was like, here's all the pens I've absolutely obliterated this past two weeks. (laughs) I went through a lot. (laughs) And I can imagine. And 
And it's one of those things where like, I don't know, for me, I just kind of got hooked. And then it was like, I just, I would just buy them. Like whenever there was a sale, I would have plenty at home. Mm-hmm. I would just buy some more. They're like $9.99 or whatever for yeah. free. And so I'd be like, oh, okay. I get two, three, you know. <laughs> you never have enough. You can never have enough. <laughs> and then I started using the color ones. And yeah. so I was like, this is really cool. You know, I wonder how many colors there are. And <laughs> I think I got to the point in my life where it's like, no matter what it is, like if it's my birthday, Christmas, whatever, like someone's going to get me a micron set. Yeah. I just don't know who it's going to be. I've had times where I've had like everybody in my life that I know has got me a micron set. And I'm like, I really appreciate this. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great way to do it. I need to do oh, yeah. that more often. Because <laughs> <laughs> that can really add up sometimes. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm not, sometimes I think about like all, like how much I've invested in supplies and I'm like, oh my gosh. But I mean, also if I don't invest the fi- like the, the money into good quality materials, I won't have good quality work. So I think I think it is very important to yeah. make sure you're working with good quality materials because you're gonna you're gonna be able to tell the difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's really easy to see. You use any particular kind of paper or like um just drawing paper kind of thing or strathmore? Um, I am really picky about my paper. My it's expensive so I, I have to be careful when I get it, but I really love the Archers brand. Um, um, I usually just buy the single sheets because it's a little bit more affordable um, yeah. instead of buying just a giant pack of them. <laughs> but art is watercolor paper. Yeah, it's a type of watercolor paper. Okay. I usually I like I like to draw on watercolor paper because of the textures I can get with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a smooth side and a rough side to watercolor paper, so you have two options to work off of. If you want a smoother look to your work, if you don't want as much um, detail. I usually do the softer side, the smoother side. If I want more detail and I know I can use the texture of the paper to my advantage, I'll use the rougher side. Mm. Um, but Arch, Arches is probably my favorite. Second most favorite is probably uh, Strathmore. Canson's uh, okay. I don't have really have a problem with Canson, but I mean, like it's out of the top three, like Canson like, is like, okay, this is all I, this is, this is my last choice. This is all I have. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, crazy to say but I mean well it's not crazy to say really if you're an artist and you're listening you probably know this anyway but I mean the the quality of paper could be dramatic between one company and another mm-hmm. and especially when you're using something like micron and there's something about the way the pen like moves on the paper for me like if it um like when you said you were using watercolor paper I was like oh you know I could see using hot press or the smooth side because Mm -hmm. the the rough side would, I don't know, maybe it's a sensitivity thing, but I would feel like like it was too rough or too dry, you know, Mm -hmm. like it would take a lot of the ink out of the pen and I would just be like, ooh, like get like feels because it would be like fingernails on a top. I I completely understand what you're talking about. When I was working, when I was working on my uh, show at Montevallo, I, I had gotten one of those giant watercolor rolls, like the yeah. paper rolls you can buy. And I was like cutting everything down and I had chosen the rougher side to draw on. And I remember like feeling the texture like right here on my hand because I was like moving so fast. And it got to the point where I was like, I like my hand feels weird after working. It was so weird <laughs> to me. But I mean, the thing that the thing that balanced that out for me though, 
was sacrificing the weird feelings that came out of the paper, I was able to get a lot of the different um, ink shades that I really wanted in the work because of the textures. Um, it allowed me to have a little bit more control of how how much contrast and how many gray tones I wanted in a certain area, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And how do you go about like starting a piece? Are you, what, what do you lean towards as far as subjects? For subjects, I typically like to focus more on the natural world, but I also find relationships to be really important in my work as well. Mm. I love the idea of combining multiple ideas to become one, whether it be visual or metaphorical. Mm. Um, for instance, like uh, I like to relate the human experience to the natural world and be able to show people how important it is for us to have that relationship with nature and for us to understand on a human level that we each other can share that importance. In my work, one of my biggest goals is to bring the awareness of how important it is for human beings to understand the importance of nature around us. Because at the end of the day, we're a part of nature um, and that we can have closer connections with each other and understand each other more through these relationships that we share. Even with, I mean, even with just like animals, you know, like oh, we, sure. like we, you have a dog. I mean, that, a do that dog feels like a person sometimes or a cat, you know, like they just feel like a tiny person. They're just kind of sitting there and be like, hey, I'm like, hey. <laughs> so I think it's important, like, for us to kind of feel that way about everything that's living in our life, to understand that we are different from that other living thing, but that thing has value as much as we do, no matter what it sure, is. Sure, sure. Yeah, I love that. So like when you're starting your your art, do you just, you know, you're inspired by something and you decide, you know, like you're going to have a certain kind of animal in your work, then how do you develop it from there? A lot of times, so my creative wise, my process, I can't just sit down and think really hard and it's just going to come to me. I've tried that before. It just never works. I typically have to look at other artists that I look up to people yeah. who I'm like, yes, like I love their work. I love their technique. And I start looking at their work through different magazines, their art books, and looking at seeing what they're doing. I reflected on my work to see what I need to be doing in my work. Um, so that's the first part I do. And I start to get more inspiration that way. I start to feel more confident. I'm like, okay, I see all these other artists who are really big and really famous very successful like okay I was like I see what they're doing I'm going to follow in their footsteps in a way um, not exactly following their footsteps but see how they've gotten to the point where they are yeah. and then um, I start to brainstorm um, thumbnails work the best for me I, that's one thing I learned in school don't just draw three thumbnails and give up you need to, I, I've, I've learned this I was like you need to draw at least 25 to 30 small thumbnail sketches before actually starting <laughs> and you can go through and then look through all these like different ideas that you just blotted down really quick and they don't have to be like finished photo finished um, drawings or anything like they can be the roughest sketches you've ever seen in your life my some of mine are really bad <laughs> but it gives me the idea of like okay this is the concept that I'm, I'm wanting to follow this is kind of what I really wanted instead of just going after the first thing that comes to your mind you kind of get to be able to explore it a little bit more visualize it easier and then you can pick like let's say you pick three thumbnails out of the 25 you just did you can go through those three 
um, work on them a little bit more, advance them a little bit more, see where you go with those, and then pick the one you like the best and um, start start making the piece. <laughs> And how long does it take you to, let's say, 16 by 20? How long? (laughs) (laughs) So um, it's by height. Like I have one of my BFA pieces behind me. Those are about three by four feet. Um, If I work on something, like if I'm working on something really big for a week straight and sticking to a schedule, I can finish a drawing about around three to four feet big or tall large I don't know. <laughs> in about a week um it also definitely depends on detail I mean even if it is 16 by 20 if I'm doing something like portraiture or something with a lot of detail in a background that's definitely gonna take me a lot longer because I'm gonna have to really focus on that background I'm making sure I'm pushing my uh background in the background and bringing my subject forward to make sure it looks right so mm. stuff like that does take me longer um but it really just depends on the detail, really. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do these 24 by 36 mm-hmm. and it would be all the whole thing would be covered in in ink, like oh, cross hatch, the background and everything. And I mean, it would just take forever, you know. And so at that point, you kind of feel like you want to charge more because, I mean, for one thing, it's the original and it's huge but also you're working with this tiny little, you know, little point to cover yeah. the whole thing. And you're not just going over it once, but you're going over it three, four, five, six, you know, mm-hmm. however many times to get it to be as dark or as light as you want, you know, mm-hmm. so it would just be absolutely, I would feel like, okay, I need thousands of dollars for this because this took me forever. <laughs> I feel the same way. (laughs) And like, I think that's one thing, especially being in the real world as an artist now versus being in school. Yeah. It's hard to price your work because you don't want to overprice yourself at the end of the day. You know, if you're overpricing yourself when you're not selling anything, that's, that's worse than, I mean, that's worse than selling something for really cheap, in my opinion, (laughs) because you're not selling anything at all. So you really, I mean, I feel like you really have to find that balance between knowing your clientele and the people that you're wanting to sell to versus knowing where you are as an artist. Mm. And it, I think it's okay for people to step back and not undercharge a lot, but undercharge a little bit just so you can build up a clientele. You can get your name out there more. You know, you sell your piece to one person. Let's say you sell one original. That person's going to tell their people about it. Other people are going to come to their house or apartment. They're going to see that piece like, oh, who did that? And it's like, oh, Natalie did this or whoever did this. You know, it's going to build that connection up with your community, more people are going to start coming to you and asking you for work and you can slowly start to raise your prices then not really fast, but you definitely want to like start off slow with it. But I think that's one thing that I've kind of struggled with figuring out where I'm exactly at right now in my price range, because I do a lot of very detailed work and so most of it's very large. But um, one thing that helps me is just understanding like, okay, I got to start off slow because if I start off slow in the future, it's going to be okay. Like I'm going to, I'm going to sell work bigger one day right now. I got to start where I'm at. (laughs) Not get ahead of yourself. kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I totally understand that. You have your originals and you frame everything. Is it, it's all on paper. So, or is it, is it, you know, like in picture frames or are you mounting it on a board or anything like that? 
So I, I, I usually start with framing. Um, I had my whole BFA show framed. I saved up for it for a while. And framing, the thing with framing is it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can get pricey really quick depending on what frame you're wanting. But I do like to frame my work. Mm-hmm. So I've been looking for alternatives to still do framing for my work. And one thing I just recently, I'm honestly recently realized within the past like week or so, I was checking out the, the bins at Goodwill. Mm-hmm. Me and my friend went there just for fun a few days ago. And I was looking around and they have frames for $2 a piece and they're old. I mean, I have one I'm working on right now and the glass chipped, so we're going to get the glass replaced, but I have the actual frame fixed. Um, but I'm, I'm like, okay, I can, I can take these old frames, give them a new life mm-hmm. for my work, refurbish them. And I'm not spending thousands of dollars on frames so they're not they're not all the same but I also really like that because I think each piece is different and I can look at the frame um, and try to figure out how to make a piece of work fit this frame Mm -hmm. I also think it's going to help me a lot more with uh, art shows in the future as well I can start prepping for stuff for art shows and actually have framed original work to sell as well instead of just prints so framing is definitely something I do side with it's just it's expensive um but finding there's always different alternatives, even just the regular thrift store, not just the Goodwill bins. You can find, I mean, older frames for really cheap. I typically look for a certain type of frame. I don't look for the ones. I don't really know what they're called. You know, the frames that have the back and like you can just like slide the little piece of metal that sticks in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't like those. Those to me are very cheap looking most of the time. Most time they're just for like family portraits and stuff like that. People like to hang in their house. But the frames I look for are the ones that you can tell that have actually been done by a framing department at one point. Uh, They usually have staples in the back. They have that metal wire across it. Um, You can look at the the quality, make sure it's real wood as well. So I'm very picky about what I'm finding, but it's definitely helped me a lot trying to figure out how to frame my work in a way that's a little bit cheaper for me. It's not as pricey and I can still get it to look like how I want it to. Yeah. I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because that's one of those things that I learned along the way too. And that, you know, finding, I mean, like real wood frames that you can take and just basically, you know, refurbish in some kind of way. Like I was painting mine black Mm -hmm. um, because at the time I was, um, I had art at Naked Art Gallery and so and and Vero she was like okay you need to like they need to be similar you know and I was like I can't I can't go out and buy a bunch of frames you know and so I was I was like what am I gonna do And she's like just go to thrift stores and so I went to thrift stores and of course they all look kind of different you know all different shapes and sizes and you know materials and stuff like that so I just decided I was gonna paint them all black Mm -hmm. and um I love it. I think it may it, and I I kind of like that like gothicy dark. Yeah. And if if the the old wood frame has like kind of an ornateness to it, I'm like, yeah, oh, so this is awesome. <laughs> uh, there's two frames I have right now that I'm working on. One I have to touch up again because some of the paint fell off of it. But it's kind of like that when I first found it, it was just really ugly gold color, and I was yeah. I, went up, I was like, who said this? There's was a lot of gold out there. <laughs> And it's not even the good gold. Like there's a good yeah. gold color out there, but this gold is just like this. 
this is not good. This is like 1970s. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> so I took some of that, took everything apart and respray painted, uh, spray painted some of them. Um, I've got one actually next to me. I, I can actually pick this one up because it's not as big, but this is the one I'm starting to work on now. It's a really cool shape and I'm excited for it. But I found this one, if you can kind of see. <gasps> Whoa, that is so cool. I'm really excited. Oh, that, that's one. about a 24 by 36, right? Or is it yeah, a little really longer? Close to it. Really close yeah. to it. But I'm, I'm oh, really I love that. And the best part about it is, is it's real wood. It's not fake. So I can possibly, I mean, I, I can probably sand this down, restain it into a nicer wood stain and not have to paint this one black. Because most of them I end up having to paint black. <laughs> but I'm, I'm really excited for this one. Um, I've already gotten, yesterday I got a lot of sizes done and organizing um, what I want to do for, with these frames for work. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about yeah. it. Yeah, I don't know what it is about finding a frame. It's almost like you're finding... I don't know, like, um, like a house or a home for your, for the possibility, you know, it, the work doesn't even have to be created yet. It could be something that you're planning on making. And that just makes it more exciting because you have this, this thing that you're planning on using with it for some reason. <laughs> I really like that you mentioned that too. Cause like, I feel like there's two different people, two different types of artists when it comes to framing. And the ones that I've met, they either love framing or they hate it. <laughs> and like, there's no actual middle ground in it. And I understand that. Um, and I've met a lot of people who don't like to use frames because they consider it to be like a casket for their work. It's like it's wow, okay. their work, which I get that. I mean, in a sense, in a sense it, it kind of is like that because you're putting yeah. it in the frame to protect it. And, you know, you're probably not going to ever reopen this frame to retouch yeah. up this work unless you're taking the artwork out to reuse the frame. Um, so in a sense, I get that. But for me, I like framing because I feel like it's telling myself that I am officially done. Mm. Like I've accomplished what I wanted to accomplish and I want to protect that. I want to give that piece a forever home so I can share it with other people uh, sell it to other people, show in galleries, mm -hmm. and that work will always be protected in its little home. That's how I view it. <laughs> I love it too when like artists kind of, and of course it's more probably for people who are painting on canvas, but when the artist like paints the um, the frame and the canvas, and it's almost like the frame and the canvas and everything is just one piece of art, mm -hmm. they'll paint the frame to go with the art itself or it blends in some way mm -hmm. I think that stuff is so cool I mean I you know I never thought of it as being like a casket but I mean like yeah that makes sense but also that could be a selling point especially if you're in the darker kind of work you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> so I think I think like, it's <laughs> yeah. like you could like I agree with both sides like I see I see both sides yeah. clearly but I'm like I don't know I see I see it as a little house you know, yeah. like it's like a little home. It protects the work. It's yeah. gonna be okay. Cause I, I don't I don't know how other artists are or how you are with your work, but I'm pretty messy sometimes and I try to keep it organized. But sometimes, I mean, there's been times I look at a piece and I get a black mark on it. Or somehow I have charcoal in my hands. I don't know where it came from. And I I look at my artwork I just finished and then there's a smudge of charcoal on it. I'm like, how did this happen? 
you know, like it's just like no matter what, you're always going to be fighting these little mediums coming back in your life trying to like touch your work. So yeah. I, I like I like framing personally. <laughs> I like um, I've actually started exploring putting watercolor paper on panel, Ooh. and then um, which I just I don't know I like the clean lines of a panel, but mm-hmm. I also like to. Um, like paint the edges a color or something mm-hmm. and kind of decorate the edges. But I don't know. That's something I'm experimenting with. Cause I always did it that way. Like buying the frames mm-hmm. and dressing them up and, and, you know, making them the way that I wanted them to be and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm just terrible about like, like you said, like getting random crap everywhere <laughs> exactly i'm like what is i've got like blue along my i'm like i know i'm like how did this i didn't even open blue today you know <laughs> when i was in school i had like i had a, like i honestly had to get rid of all my jeans it was so bad i had oil paints from stuff i don't remember getting oil paint on like i would just have this giant green streak on my pants and i'm like yeah, I guess that's part of my personality now because there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, yeah. I would just have like in college too. I was just I would just get paint everywhere, and that was one of the reasons why I liked pen and ink so much was because mm-hmm. it was clean. Like mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't gonna get it everywhere. Like I mean, you can drop a pen, and it could you know tumble on some paper or you know accidentally bump your hand, and you uh, know, but that takes a little bit more somehow to happen and then even if that does happen do you know how to like make it work in your art like try to fix it if you've done something because I mean pen and ink's permanent Mm -hmm. so I do and that's part of the reason I'm glad you brought that up too I I, (laughs) the reason I use watercolor paper with my ink drawings is because watercolor paper is really thick most of the time it's made to be able to dur a lot of water on it all at once so with that being said like for instance like when I was working on my show and I think it was actually this piece right here there was like one area and I I, I, I drew it and I looked at it I was like my professor is gonna say something about this I just knew he was I, I could just see it I was like oh my gosh I was like okay I'm just gonna leave it tonight I went home slept on it I get back in class this morning and that's the first thing he points out I was like I knew it but <laughs> basically there was like these two lines touching and it didn't make sense why they were touching it just it just it didn't show any depth it looked like it was really flat yeah and I was like, crap I need to bring it was like part of a stick touching the baby deer's leg and uh it it, it just it made that area just not look like it really had any depth to it yeah. so I use an exacto knife and I slowly scratch off the area that I want to take off and I go back in with an eraser and I smooth it back out and most of the time, sometimes you got to be careful if it's like a really large white area, because yeah. you will be able to see parts of it. Um, but if it's like if it's a small little nook that you have to fix or something really s- simple, and you can you know you're going to go back over with ink. Most of the time you can pull it back off. And with how thick the watercolor paper is too, the, the paper is going to be able to hold it. Um, there's even a few areas I had to do that with all white areas, and I was able to get enough of the ink off that I can go back in with a, a rubber eraser rub it back down, smooth that paper back out. And then once it was in the frame and everything, you couldn't even see it. Not unless you were really up close. 
That's interesting. I would help me out a lot <laughs> learning that. I feel like I would totally jack it up though with like an exacto knife. Mm-hmm. I'm Honestly, not. Good, I'm not good with exactos. <laughs> I'm real bad with exactos, <laughs> but honestly, like as long as long as you like, as long as you have a really sharp exacto knife and that edge is still really sharp, it's gonna cut no matter what you do. And I usually just kind of like how, same thing with how I'm like sketching with my ink. I do the same thing with the exacto knife, so I'll just like scratch it. I'm not really cutting anything. I'm just like scratching with the tip and slowly pulling off that ink. Wow, um, that, like, like I said, you it. Yeah, that just the very first layer. But I will say the only thing you got to be really careful with is if you go too deep and you start erasing, you can possibly pull more paper off than you want to. And Ooh. that's that's the tricky part about it. You don't want to pull a lot of paper off at once because you will be able to see in the piece unless you're going back in with black ink and covering it back up. But it's, it's kind of tricky. I wouldn't really recommend it f- for every fix. But I mean, when there is that problem in your work and you are having that conflict with your work, it, it is an option that you can experiment with but definitely trying it out on like other works or other like little like like sketches like little things that you do nothing serious I would I would practice it with that first yeah absolutely that is one of those tricky kind of things I wonder if I have there is a I was just thinking about it but there is a eraser that is I think it erases ink Mm mm-hmm I think I've, I've heard of those before, but I've never like, tried. I want to say, this sounds weird, but I want to say it's like a mono eraser or something, mm-hmm. but it's like really rough mm-hmm. and almost like kind of sandpapery. Mm-hmm. You have to be real careful, you know, cause like just the same way, you know, you could take out, you could have a big hole in your paper. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But somehow or another it just kind of scrapes off the top a little bit you could mm-hmm. try that too with it I guess yeah definitely I mean it's, it's essentially doing the same thing yeah yeah it's like top of sandpaper sanding that first layer down enough to where it's not as noticeable and you can go back over it or get it light enough to where you won't really see it if the work is framed yeah yeah I've done some crazy things over the years <laughs> to try to fix something I like I, I, yeah. I, I did with this I don't know where I got this idea. I don't know if I got it in high school or what, but I had done a drawing of a cousin and I absolutely, the face just was not right. And I'm terrible at portraits anyway and drawing people and making it look right anyway. But I was like, okay, I'm going to fix this. (laughs) And I cut out the face and then I attached another sheet of paper (laughs) underneath it. And then, and like, tried to use the pen to like cover up the edges, you know, make it look like it was all one piece. And really, unless you were standing up on it, you couldn't see it, you know. But when I think about doing that, I'm like, oh my god, what was I thinking? That was crazy. <laughs> I have definitely been over it. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's like at that point, it's just like all the time and energy you're putting into fixing it, you might as well just restart it. <laughs> I, I have done that stuff like that way too many times, like, especially this since graduating, like I've just been, a lot of my work now has just been making work just so I keep my hand at it and I don't quit. So if I quit, it's going to be hard getting back to it. And there's been a lot of work. So I've had experience like that where it's just like, man, why did I go? Why, why did I try to fix that in that way? Like I should have just given up on it and just restarted it completely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think a lot of artists are like, 
it, and you put a lot of work into something and then it gets messed up or it's not the way you want it to be, especially with pen and ink. I mean, mm. you can't paint over it. You literally have to get a new sheet of paper, start again. Oh, yeah. So it's pretty frustrating <laughs> when you have to do that. It's like you're trying not to do that. Exactly. But I think at the same time, it's fine to just go ahead and start over, you know, and just go mm. with it. And two, like you're going, like you got to keep in mind too, like the first one didn't really work out, but you know now what didn't work out. Absolutely. Start a new piece and avoid those problems. So in a way, like it's it's a good thing to fail. Yeah. Every every artist I think needs to fail. If you don't fail, you're never going to be, you're never going to. Oh yeah. That's a part of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Failure is huge in art. Like it happens to everybody. Everybody is going to experience just part of it, but that failure is also going to teach you a lot too about how you should go about your work, the process, the techniques, you know, the medium, you're going to start learning about how the medium likes to work so you can manipulate it better. Yeah. And I'll, <laughs> I want to add a little funny story. Okay. So like I recently, well, not recently, I guess it's probably been like a year ago, but I did like a big ink um, train for mm-hmm. a family friend. I don't draw trains. I'm not into trains necessarily. So it was really difficult, you know, trains have a lot of like little things. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm more, I'm, I'm like you, I like to draw like animals and plants and things, you know, and uh, people and stuff. So I was drawing this and we got a new kitten and I had just, I had it like kind of clipped to a board, like a drawing board and I had sat in my office and I wasn't thinking anything about it. This little kitten chewed up all the edge of it and peed on it. Oh my god! <laughs> so I don't know what I'm about talking. learning lessons and starting over. <laughs> Never trust your pets around anything. <laughs> oh my god! I was like. I took a picture of it and I mean, it was taking me forever to do and it was a commission. So I was like, I'm so sorry. You know, like I had no idea this cat was going to do that. You know, it was brand new little bitty cat and she just went to town. And, I mean, we still have her and I love her and she doesn't touch anything now, but when she was little, Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> like on a whole nother level. <laughs> I've had the same problems with animals before, especially like my thing is dogs. Cause dogs, I mean, like they'll jump on anything and not think about it. And oh, you'll yeah, be working no, on something. <laughs> they'll jump on your paper and then your whole paper's just like got terrible creases in it that you're never going to be <laughs> to iron out again. It's just, it's yeah. completely lost. Oh my God. Do you have um, an artist or artists that really inspire you or like you, um, you know, because I mean, it could be artists that, you know, are still living today, of course, you know, they're doing that kind of work. Do you have anyone that is just really interesting to you? I have a lot. <laughs> um, my, although I will say out of all the ones I have, mine, the number one artist that has always stayed with me for years, probably since I was like 14 is Esau Andrews. He is by far my favorite artist of all time in my life I mean his work is just insane to look at I I got his book a few years ago he released a book from I think it was like early 2000s to like 2018 giant book of the series 
and just looking through his stuff I mean it's just like it's it's crazy to me to see how someone can a use oil paints the way he does and he's a very he's very big into ink work as well and not only is does each piece stand alone but every single piece looks like it's from the same world different different moments all these different moments you're experiencing that are in the same world that he's created it it inspires me so much I mean (laughs) the way he paints and everything too it's very loose uh it's very delicate in a way um I just I love his work I mean I have I've watched so many interviews with him and I'm just like, man, I was like, I've got to meet this guy. I was like, one day I'm going to go to one of his solo shows and I'm going to have a heart attack. But you know what? <laughs> oh, that's so fun. I've got, I have, um, I bought one of his, uh, he does like, once in a while he'll release um, some prints of his uh, paintings. And I've got Wino 2. There's two versions of Wino. And it's a little bat holding a wine, wine bottle. Yeah. Um, I have the second version of that one. I bought that one about three or four years ago. And I also have one of his uh, skateboard deck designs. Should have bought both of them when they came out, but you know. <laughs> but I mean, he's, he's one I've actually really kept up with for a very long time. I've collected his work. I have his book and I still still read into him a lot. And I, I just, yeah. I'm an amazing artist. Oh, that's so wonderful. I love that you have like, and, and I can see like, you're like, Oh, I just love it. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I have those artists too, where I'm just like, okay, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe I can put words to it maybe, but there's something that draws you to a certain artist's work. And it, and if it inspires you, you know, why not, you know, like mm-hmm. support that artist and learn from them and get their books and, you know, yeah. even, even like, eventually buy a piece because you're like I I just can't help it this is amazing it's like I mean can you think about it as someone one day may look at you that way Mm -hmm. and feel that way that that is kind of a selling point you know as far as like people appreciating your work so much so that they're like I have a Natalie Henderson that's how I feel about Issa Andrews like I mean not only him as an artist but how he how he's made a living off being a freelance artist I mean that's something I've really looked into and like tried to follow his footsteps in yeah. uh, but the like buying his prints for instance he releases them he's been releasing them more now than he has in the last few years but for a while I mean you'd be lucky if he releases a print every two to three years Wow. Like it was it was extremely hard to get his stuff. And I remember the, when I bought Wino 2, I was waiting. Like I, I had gotten on the website like five minutes before and I kept refreshing it, waiting, waiting. <laughs> and then I, I had hooked my PayPal up to it so I could just like <laughs> click it really fast to get it because they sell out within like a minute. I mean, wow. so, so I was just like clicking my phone. I was so anxious. And I got the email. I was like, purchase made. I was like, thank you. <laughs> It was so, I was so excited for it. And then it came in the mail and I was just like, this is better than I imagined. (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. I love that. (laughs) So do you have any, like, so you mentioned those artist books. Do you have any other artist books that have helped you, you know, um, I don't know, helped you as far as 
thinking about your career and what you want to do and that kind of thing? Yes, I have, I have two more that I really uh, look up to. One is a magazine. Um, the other one is another artist book from an artist I also really like. She's she's definitely in my top three uh, favorite artists. I have a lot of favorite artists. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if I can really number them. But uh, Lauren Marks is another one I really look up to. And I found her... I can't remember exactly when I found her. It was in college when I was looking up other artists and the way she works with, with a pen and ink is amazing to me. It took me forever to realize that she's using ink, not watercolor in her work. Actually, it wasn't until I got her book until, and then I realized like, I was like, she's using ink. I was like, that's how she's getting these pigments. Cause I mean, she does these beautiful drawings of like all these dead creatures and showing decomposition and decay but not the ugly side of it that most people look at it's it's a beautiful side of it it's showing life within death and death within life you know you can't have one without the other and I really think that she's executed that very well and I look up to her a lot especially in how she is so finely detailed in her work everything is extremely clean she's very very well organized in her work but also something that really struck me about her book when I looked through it is at the very, it's towards the end of her book, but she had included these sketches from her um, sketchbook, like thumbnail sketches that she works on. Yeah. And I was like, oh my, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, these don't like, you would never expect her sketches look the way they do because she's so <laughs> clean her work all the time. But I mean, they're so sloppy and just all over the place. I mean, quick drawings, writing little side notes, pointing to things to remind herself with. And I was like, I do that. You know, <laughs> like it was really cool to see that. I was like, okay. I was like, you know, not everything in, in an artist's life is always going to be just perfect all the time. You're going to have, I mean, the creative process is pretty messy. It's chaotic. It's, it's normal for it to be chaotic. You just, you have to get those ideas out so you can, put together a piece that is going to be more organized, um, better uh, ideas to depict what you're wanting to show to your viewers. So it's really interesting to see how um, her processes and thinking in her sketchbooks and her thumbnails versus her finished work. I was like, that is really cool. I'm really glad she added that in there. And I had, I, I don't know, I just, I just gained so much more respect than I already had for her. after that. I was like, oh my, I was like, me personally, if I was to where she was in my art career and adding in my thumbnail sketches that I know are terrible, I don't think I would have done it. But after seeing her do it, I was like, man, people need to know about this. Like they need to know that not everything you do when you first start out is going to look okay. You're going to be, you're going to have a lot of mess ups, but that's part of the process. Like you, you have to have the mess ups to get to where you want to be. Yeah. That's something that I learned more recently is that even like showing stuff on social media sometimes, like where, I mean, sometimes, man, I draw some terrible stuff. And so I'll put it on social media and be like, this is terrible. I don't know what's wrong with it. <laughs> and then eventually I'll get around to it and I'll, I'll redo it. And then I'll show them side by side, kind of, you know, like in a, um, what do you call it when you got multiple images mm -hmm. on Instagram? And so I think, you know, it's part of being vulnerable and showing, you know, those moments where the artist isn't necessarily perfect mm -hmm. that helps other artists feel seen and connected to that, that work. 
when you when when we get to see that part of a like especially someone that we just we're kind of idolizing a little bit and we just love what they do and we're looking up to them and they're inspiring us when we get to see that rough messy normal humanizing stuff where where they're just being honest and saying this is what it looks like before it's done you know mm-hmm. it feels it i cannot tell you how many times i've seen something like that and i thought wow they're like me you know or they did i do that too oh my god <laughs> it's like we said at the very beginning it's like you know all of us all of us in a sense, I mean, we might be focusing on different subject matter. We might be having different ideas, but in a sense, like we all as artists go through very similar things yeah. in our career. Yeah. I mean, it, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, a lot of like, oh, I don't know if I should do this. But like, like we said, like we have to remind yourself, like everybody has to start somewhere and that somewhere might not always be the most beautiful thing. It actually might be quite bad, but nobody's (laughs) always good at the first things they start out on. If I showed you my high school stuff, what I was doing in high school, it it is terrible. I look at it now. I have it packed away in a portfolio. I've not opened it in like two or three years, but I mean, like, I I still know what it looks like. And I'm like, man, I did not think I was going to get where I'm at now back then. I never saw it happening. You can find my work on my website at ipsymama.squarespace.com or on my Instagram at ipsymama underscore. I do have both originals and prints for sale if interested, and I am open to some commission work. I'll also be showing some of my work at the Make Birmingham opening for the show Relate that myself and a few other artists have been curating. The show opens April 21st, 5 to 7 p.m. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share my creative process and work It's been a pleasure being able to be on this podcast and talk to you all. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Art Talk with April. For more information on this episode, join the Facebook group, The Art Lounge. Please subscribe and share. See you next Tuesday. Hope you have a great week.